0: Welcome back, guys. To another episode of the JWB Redraft Ramp-Up, where we give you a consumable redraft perspective. Scour back here with Tim. We're going to hop right into this, guys. We are doing the second half of the wide receiver battles, the wide receiver rooms to monitor, keeping an eye on. If you haven't already, go find the running back one, which will also be up on the channel. We're starting with Pittsburgh, a really fun one. A lot of optimism seems to be around this team after the pessimism we had last year, which... Turned out to be correct. The offense really, really struggled in at least the first half of the season. It started to come on a little bit more at the end. A lot of this rides on Kenny Pickett. Whether you're a believer or not, this division may end up being the shootout division. The pace, all these teams might have over 65 plays per game. There could be more points. It really comes down to what kind of touches we're going to get. But we need to decide who in this room are we going to target. Tim, a lot of people love George Pickens, a lot of people of Deontay Johnson. I saw George Pickens go before Deontay Johnson
1: today. Is that correct? The correct order for those two players for you? Well, based on ADP Pickens is 79 and Deontay's 81. So I think the majority of the fantasy industry is split amongst these two. For me, it's a more or less an upside versus floor case. So how, how did you draft earlier in the draft? Are you looking for that? potential league winning upside with Pickens or are you looking for the bounce back from Deontay where he outperforms draft position? For me, it's Deontay. Like I like Pickens more as a dynasty option. And I said when, when Pickett got drafted that he had a really nice sideline ball, but he doesn't throw it enough. We did see it against Atlanta, but it was against Atlanta's second team. They didn't play any starters. So it's like, how much can we truly believe that that ball is going to be deliverable in season where um, connecting with Deontay is going to be much easier for Pickett to do on a, consistent basis that's repetitive. So I'm going to run with Deontay, especially at the cheaper ADP. And like I said, he gives you a nice floor. He's probably going to sit in a flex spot based on where he's going. And I feel really comfortable about that, especially if he can tack on a few touchdowns this year.
0: Yeah, I think with Deontay Johnson, he's not quite this player that everyone has its, made out to be these incapable of scoring touchdowns last year i think was such an outlier season first off you had a rookie quarterback the quarterback who went the latest in any first round of a quarterback since 1997 so that should tell you what you think of kenny pickett as a prospect a lot of people come out and say that he was the number one guy in their class for a reason it's like well he was the number one in a class that was the worst class since 1997 so you can if you want to make that a positive point for kenny pickett uh go do it i don't see how it is that way now deontay johnson before last season which i tend to believe was a little bit of an outlier. He had 4.9% touchdown, rate. I mean, league average is like four and a half. So Deontay Johnson is at at minimum, I think league average or worse in that department. He's the type of dude who gets over 140 targets every single freaking year. And that's going to come out to give you, you know, five to seven touchdowns, which is a completely fine mark. That's going to give you wide receiver two seasons on that target volume. So I think with Deontay Johnson is very clearly him over George Pickens for me. I don't even think it's a case of, floor ceiling like I don't see any situation I'm straight up taking George Pickens over Deontay Johnson because based on the volume alone I think that gives more of the ceiling for Deontay Johnson and now Deontay Johnson is reportedly running a little bit more downfield which is great um you know last year was only six yards per target for his career before that uh he happened to be at six point eight, so it did come down noticeably. Like that does make a big difference, and hopefully now that the offense can open up a little bit more, you you almost always see progressions with the quarterback in year two. He can at least move down the field a little bit more. I do see uh some upside there with Deontay Johnson because when you're taking him in, in the thirties, which I think is more of a floor, because there aren't guys in the wide receiver thirties that get one hundred forty targets. And then I think if the touchdowns stabilize and go back to what we have had from Deontay Johnson, or at least a league average type aspect, you're going to get wide receiver two numbers a lot of the time. So George Pickens, he's a fine player. I understand the appeal. He just, until he really shows it, it's not necessarily a player I'm totally into. I didn't think he took advantage of a really, really good opportunity at the back half of last year. He got highlight plays, but he was not able to capture higher than like a 60% team target share. And he was around like 14, 15 before that. And then before Claypool left. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from George Pickens to excite me. It's never a bad idea to go in and bet on the wide receiver to bump. I do like that idea and concept. I just can't see myself doing it with Deontay Johnson also on the board. He's been the wide receiver one for this team literally since he was drafted there and Juju Smith schuster got hurt. He never looked back and I don't see that changing this year.
1: I, I'm with you. I, I think Deontay is the better the better pick for sure. San Francisco guys.
0: San Francisco is a team that always has people really torn. Uh, you obviously you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are the two wide receivers to really take note of here. But then of course we can't we can't hide the fact that George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey are also super involved in this passing offense. Now people are always debating Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. Tim. Why don't you kind of walk me through maybe your thought process between these two players? What area of the draft, maybe what team build would interest you more towards one or the other?
1: I I want to start out by giving my pick just for because I I think it will help set the table. And for me, this is the one one of the most stamp this, circle it, highlight it, do whatever you have to do. Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk is the guy. ADP seventy two, wide receiver twenty eight. He finished his wide receiver 15 last year, 36 the year prior and 33 the year prior. So even if you take him at wide receiver 28 and he busts, he's still a wide receiver three within eight places of the place that you picked him, with massive upside. And you don't have to forego any other stud players because you're taking him around six or later. Um, Debo Samuel ADP 34 overall. I don't think it's a terrible number because we know how dynamic he can be when he gets those breakaway plays. And he he is one of those players that, not even being one of those elite speedsters or over-the-top players, but being the yak player that he is, that he gives you such opportunity for those big plays. But the problem is, once again, your opportunity cost. You're having to give up someone else at ADP to take him versus waiting and being able to get IUK. Where when he's going at 34 just some guys around him, Mark Andrews at 31, Joe Mixon's at 33, DK's at 35, Breesall's at 36, Lamar's at 37, Amari Cooper's at 39, Jameer Gibbs is at 41. I just, I can't logically make an argument where the upside of those other guys, the majority of those other guys, because I think Devo's kind of close, isn't better, or isn't preferred based on position like Mark Andrews, or that Lamar could basically be QB1, at a two disc two round discount compared to the other top QBs. There just isn't the argument to be made to take Debo Samuel at 34.
0: No, I I I do happen to agree with you. I was baiting you a little bit saying they were close. The the discrepancy in ADP being uh overall being 30 players is is quite a big gap here. Um, with Brand Ayuk, the area he goes, as you mentioned, for me, I see Dallas Goddard. Kyle Pitts going. I think there's so much risk there for the tight ends. Not really the spot in the draft I want to take tight end. Running backs, you've got DeAndre Swift, James Conner, Alvin Kamara. A lot of risk there. The only reason I don't end up taking Brandon Ayuk is because he's in a group of wide receivers where I like all of them. I like Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk, Christian Kirk, Deontay Johnson. And so it really just comes to who 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 falls there, and then I take my favorite. And it's not always Brandon Ayuk, but I do have him in the same tier as those guys. So on paper, I do like Brandon Ayuk in the area of the draft he goes. And Debo Samuel, it is a risky spot. I think, obviously, we know the talent of Debo Samuel. He's so darn good. Get the ball in this guy's hands and good things happen. If you had told me the touchdowns happen to go his way this year, the variance could always, you know, boost him up. Um, I still haven't projected for a good little bit of rushing volume, not as high as I would have liked uh, before Christian McCaffrey came. But when you have him going next to, you know, you're taking them over Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Joe Mixon, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper. There's a lot of risk there for him that makes me rather uncomfortable because some of those options I just view as a lot safer. Um, With with Debo Samuel, once there's an injury on this team somewhere, I don't necessarily see him really getting that bump. And really, it's just McCaffrey getting hurt that I think would elevate Debo Samuel. I think if Kittle goes down, it could lead to more volume for Brandon Ayuk, whereas I think if... McCaffrey goes down that could lead to a little bit more work there for Debo Samuel quickly before we move on out of San Francisco I'll talk pre-Christian McCaffrey post-Christian McCaffrey for Debo Samuel if you look his splits week one through 17 he had six games in both scenarios so we can kind of view them equally he played 80 percent of the snaps with 47 targets 23 rushing attempts three touchdowns and 12.9 fantasy points per game before Christian McCaffrey came out that's wide receiver 13 numbers after McCaffrey came He had 73% of the snaps, 44 targets, 18 rushing attempts, two touchdowns, 9.9 fantasy points per game, which is wide receiver 34 numbers. That's, he went down 9% in snaps, 6% in targets, 22% in rushing attempts, 33% in touchdowns, and minus 23% in fantasy points. Now, he did have one of those games- where he, he left injured the sixth one, but it was at least halfway through the game. So I don't think it hurt the sample all too much. I think that just really shows us here. When you're taking Debo Samuel still in a, as a top 20 wide receiver, he could just be a low on wide receiver three. It really could happen. It's in the range of outcomes. We saw it on the back half of last year, of course, he's come back from injury. The offense started to work a little bit around him. They want to help for the playoffs. You can run the narrative game, but we know it can happen. We know it's in the range of outcomes, but we also know talent wise before McCaffrey, Wide receiver 13. Like he can easily do that. We've seen a wide receiver two finish from him just two, two, three seasons ago. So I understand both sides. It's just a really tough bet. This is a risk thing for me. It's a strictly a risk thing for me. I'm um, on risk. That that's really it. If you hand me both players, I'm still taking Debo Samuel, but uh, it's the risk that the, the discrepancy in ADP is it is still too big for me. I I like the names that go around Debo. I'm more comfortable uh passing on the names that go around Brandon Ayuk.
1: Also, I think that a godwin Ayuk wide receiver room, if you're able to target other positions earlier, is a damn good room, especially if you can take them sixth and seventh round. I think that's amazing.
0: Yeah, Chris Godwin is a guy I think is at least
1: around behind
0: ADP. Um, But we're going to talk about not Tampa Bay. We're going to talk about Washington as the last little wide receiver group we're going to go here because... Terry McLaurin is a player who had a little bit of a scare, a little bit of turf toe Terry uh, the other day. And we didn't know if he's going to play week one or maybe linger into the season. We saw a teammate like Antonio Gibson, of course, different position who a couple years ago, when he got the turf toe, it really broke up his season. We've seen this with players. We've seen uh, different points, you know, Devonte Adams a couple years ago, really, it kind of did affect him on the field a lot of times the turf toe can be a bigger deal than we think. It is not a fun injury. I don't know the extent of it. Uh, Reports are he's kind of 50-50, leaning towards playing week one, but we'll really see how that affects his play. Now on the other side of the coin, Jahan Dotson, who's healthy, uh, JW channel favorite here, is starting to get a a lot of steam. He's rising in ADP, is a player. Do you think the excitement is fair around Jahan Dotson, Tim? And how do you feel with Terry McWhorne? How are you tackling this wide receiver room? And I guess I should throw in what are your thoughts on Sam Howell?
1: So my takeaway from this when I when I was doing some research was that I said, take if you miss, meaning I'm fine with taking either one. If you miss, I don't get Terry. You should definitely target Dotson. But if you take Terry, I'm probably not going to try to get both. A couple things though. Very rarely does turf toe really go away in season. If you get it early, you're pretty much going to have it all season unless like you're very um persistent with your recovery you're almost doing no activities outside of the game things like that so turf toe could really be a problem all season and i think that really is going to Im- the news of terry's injury and depending on when you're drafting is really going to impact dotson's adp i was doing an, a sleeper draft or i'm sorry an underdog draft two days ago and dotson went in the third round of best ball draft so there are people that are very excited. I'm not saying it's correct. I'm saying that there are elements that people will go on and, and make make nice reaches on them. And currently ADP overall um Terry is 51 and Dotson is 83. So Dotson's an automatic pick at 83. And like we've been talking about Howell and the lack of QB play the last couple of years in Washington, if Howell is just average, we're going to see great production out of both of these receivers if he's if Terry's healthy, obviously. But if Terry's out, that's just going to do even more to drive up Dotson's price and his production. So I think that these guys are two guys I'm definitely in on if I can get them at the right price. A big thing for me when it comes to like the outlying um, – Theme from this wide receiver video is a lot of these guys I'm not reaching on, but I'm very happy with their ADP. So when it comes down to it, there's a lot of times I'm going to lean a different position if it has to be that I'm having to take these guys above ADP, like running back. I'll I'll lean on into the running backs I like because there's a lot of running backs I don't like or, or think are very just average. But if it's ADP or lower, they're they're automatic. But a guy like Dotson, 83 is way too low in my opinion. Where I'm snapping him if it's at 83. I might take him around early just to make sure I get him.
0: I always hear people say, well, why why take Jamar Chase at pick two if I can get T. Higgins at pick 22? That kind of a statement, which... I think it's a little bit more applicable to wide receiver, of course, but the, I always hear that thrown around for running backs. And that's why I completely disagree with it. It's like, why would I take Kenneth Walker at pick 40 when I can get Zach Charbonnet at pick 100? And I'm like, Well, there's a diff, there's a reason why the two have that gap. There's not like a, you know, I'm going to pass on, I'm going to pass on Nick. People always say last year, I'm going to pass on Nick Chubb at pick 15 because I can get Kareem Hunt at pick 80. It's like, there, there's, a, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a reason that there's this discrepancy. Now, for wide receivers, when the talent isn't significantly different, when I think that the two players are pretty close in terms of talent, but there is an ADP discrepancy, that's when I completely agree with you that I'm not going to reach for the first guy, but if I miss on the first guy, if he passes me because maybe I'm on a turn or whatever, I will be very open to taking the second guy. I like them much better at cost, and that's really the factor here. Like When people bring up – when we bring up Christian Kirk and how much we like where he's going in drafts, people have been down our throats about, well, you hate Calvin Ridley. I don't hate Calvin Ridley. <laughs> I just you. think, I just think, I think Calvin Ridley is extremely talented. He hasn't played football in a year. He's in a brand new system and he goes 50 picks before Christian Kirk. And that's so much risk carried with it where Christian Kirk, I think, is still going to be a very solid fantasy player. I think there's a non-zero chance Christian Kirk outscores Calvin Ridley. And that's my point with all these. When I think the talent is close enough where one could outscore the other legitimately, which Kareem Hunt will not outscore Nick Chubb. When Christian Kirk could end up scoring as many points or more than a player like Calvin Ridley, that's when I'm going to target Christian Kirk at cost. So that's kind of my thing here with Terry McLaurin and with Jahan Dotson. I don't have a problem with Terry McLaurin. I'm fine taking him where he goes in drafts, but I'm not heartbroken at all because I'd rather target Jahan Dotson where he goes. I don't think it's crazy to say Jahan Dotson could outscore Terry McLaurin in this upcoming season. And for that reason, I'm going to take the guy who's cheaper. I, I, you got You can't cross those mentalities with different positions, and it has to be where you think the talent is close enough. Where Jamar Chase to T. Higgins. Higgins is a great player. There's a big. There's still a talent gap, right? I don't. I'm not throwing that out for those two players because Jamar Chase is one of the best five wide receivers in the NFL. T. Higgins is great. I don't know if he's top 20. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's still respectable. If you're wide receiver 21 in the NFL, that's freaking awesome. You're a great player. You're a stud. But it's there is a, there's too much of a gap there where I don't think the guys we talked about in the last video with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I don't think there's a significant talent. They do completely different things, those two. So don't hear what I'm not saying uh like mike williams couldn't hold a candle to freaking keen Allen's route running but Key now also can't jump over you know a seven foot high jump like mike williams can so they they do different things but i think they're both very talented if we were if we had talked about tampa bay i don't think mike evans versus chris godwin's a significant talent difference i really like chris godwin's going but if i miss on chris godwin somebody else takes him or it's the wrong turn i'm Totally cool taking Mike Evans a round or two later because I think the talent's close enough and they do different things. So that's where I fall on these two players. Now, Terry McLaurin, the only little bit of reason, like I absolutely, I definitely wouldn't reach on Terry McLaurin. He finally had his best season finish last year. Uh, wide receiver 14 overall finish. That was a longevity stat. He was. Wide receiver twenty-seven last year in in my, our adjusted points per game, we took out games where you play less than twenty-five percent of the snaps. He, but he didn't bust that off. Need a thirty-one percent bust percentage. That's when you score less than nine point seven fantasy points per game. That's the wide receiver thirty-six mark, and that's really good. That's top twenty-four in that metric, only busting thirty-one percent of the time, which is better than you know the current ADP. But that wide receiver twenty-seven. It's like we finished wide receiver fourteen, but it was really wide receiver twenty-seven. That's the impact Terry has in your lineup, and that's fine. I just don't see it being higher. I I really don't see Terry McLaurin at this point in his career be going out and being on a points-per-game basis, weekly impact, being a fringe wide receiver one. That's just me. Maybe you disagree with that and you have a little bit more hope for Sam Howell where if I'm just looking for that wide receiver three in my lineup, steady wide receiver three, I think Jahan Dawson can do that just as good as Terry McLaurin. So when, when we're taking him in that range of the draft, I'd rather get the guy who could do the exact same thing a lot later. That's with Christian Kirk. I don't think Christian Kirk's going to go out there and be giving you fringe wide receiver one weeks every single week. I don't think so. Can he give you a spike week? Sure. So can Jahan Dotson. So can Terry. But generally speaking, I think he's going to be a very safe third guy in your lineup. And that's what I see coming out of Washington. I'm hoping one of these guys offer that consistency. And I'm going to go for Jahan Dotson, who's significantly later in drafts.
1: So I think something to glean from this as well is what type of approach that Ron Rivera is going to have. Because is he going to be heavy run? Are they going to be in games where they have to be more shootout-ish? So that could impact the ceiling. I think that they both have wide receiver two, mid-wide receiver two ceiling. They probably don't have it together where they're both wide receiver twos. So it's going to be more or less a touchdown um, contributing factor to who ends up being a higher level contributor. But if we're even having this conversation, then you have to lean Dotson. And... I'm not the guy that's like, oh, if there's an injury, we always have to like lean away. But based on ADP as well, 51 still premium players. Like I like I said before, I'm not going to be reaching on Terry, on Terry, but I do really like Terry a lot. I think that Terry and DJ Moore have a very um, simpatico type, type career, but I think yeah. that Terry's actually proven that he has uh, more ceiling and I love DJ Moore. Trust me, love DJ Moore. But if we're actually looking at Week to week upside, I think Terry would have a better um, argument for his historical performances. That hey, he's he's the guy that actually will you know do things deeper and he scores more touchdowns, things like that. But at his cost, and if that turf toe is really a thing, you might be throwing away pick fifty one to take him versus taking another guy in, in that area, you know, uh, a Hopkins, Cam makers, DJ Moore, even a Watson, which I'm not a huge fan of, or Waller that could really contribute heavily to your lineup. But I don't want to be too heavy into the injury bias because I also really like Javante Williams, and I understand the risk I'm taking there, but I also am going to build that room up properly if I'm going to take him.
0: Yeah, All right, but before we close the video, just what you are saying to the touchdown upside, like Jahan Dawson showed us last year, maybe it was slightly unsustainable rate, right? but he is darn good in the red zone. And that was from college. That wasn't just random. Like Jahan Dawson was a... Of fine red zone option there. He's got this quick little separation in the red zone that really gets him there, and he's got a go up and get it ability. I mean Terry has a little bit of that too, but I don't think he's necessarily as much of the red zone threat that Jahan Dotson can be. Jahan Dotson had uh, 20 touchdowns in his last two seasons at Penn State versus Terry McLaurin, who's playing at Ohio State, 17 touchdowns. So I I think both these guys are capable, but like to think people might have in their head that like Terry McLaurin would be the better red zone option. Like Jahan Dotson's legit. This player is legit. It's not a fluke what he did last season. It could regress, but he is a very capable player in the red zone. We've said this about guys like Tyler Lockett. Like some of these dudes are just, just because they're smaller and fast and can run routes, does not necessarily mean that they can't perform in the red zone. We've leverage. seen it from other guys year after year.
1: Leverage, so- leverage, leverage. Always got to figure out how the wide receiver wins their leverage. It could be height, it could be speed, it could be route running. If it, the better you understand that, the more you can anticipate how they're actually going to perform. And that's the thing is that I liked Dotson when he was coming out, but he revealed so much in terms of a higher level ceiling than even what I was anticipating as a rookie Not, because of the fact that most rookies don't get that type of responsibility that, that immediately, as well as most rookies don't game break that that quickly either, where they usually have to learn nuances of certain things with routes and how defenders lean, get them to look, look one way or another, or open their hips, all that stuff. But he already had it.
0: Yep. Yeah. And we are on record, guys. You can go back in the clips catalog, which you can find in the top of this video description. Our take, our player takes on every single player from dynasty redraft, and then newly, there's one for in season, so you can find all those week by week. But we are on record. With Jahan Das, and he was our channel's one rookie 107 pick last year, which had him. Right past the top f- consensus top five. Then it was Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson. We had him way over his ADP was like 204 last year. So we had him seven or eight spots higher. We have there were three or four wide receivers that consensus had over him. We love Jahan Dotson. Uh, and he proved everything that we thought about him correct last year. And then more, as Tim said. I think he he showed us a little bit more. But that's gonna wrap it up for today, guys. At JWB underscore FF for all things fantasy football related through JWB. Go follow Tim at nubs, two ends, two bees and hop into discord you can find it in the video description where you can come in and chat about all things football any type of format and uh, we're getting close to the season so go, get in there our community will help you with all your start sits there's a channel for it and if you want us to give a little bit of a consensus you can find the patreon in the description too it's less than a dollar a week so you can't really afford not to but we'll catch you guys next time